With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Straight out of Vegas, Saturday into a Sunday, Steve Cofield, R.J. Bell. Two hours tonight, two pregame pros, Brad Powers, specialist in college football, and boy, we're going to lean on him. The normal, hey, it's early August, let's look at the football season talk from a Vegas perspective, but also Urban Meyer, we've heard all the takes. Last night, here on Straight Out of Vegas, we were having our talk radio sports talk take from a Vegas perspective, but not that much Odds talk. Well, we got the guy who I think probably has the strongest expertise when it comes to uh, lines and odds on the college side. Brad Powers and Steve Fezzik, NFL specialist. Showtime! Woo! So the Vegas lead, Ohio State scandal. We're now waiting, but we do know there's been some effect at the Vegas sportsbook. So let me ask you this first, Cofield. Last night we said, hey, listen. This is not the platonic ideal. We can't all wait until six months later, until the books are written, to talk about this. There wouldn't be any talk radio if we <laughs> Let did that. Let it play out. <laughs> all right. So I think the trick is the caveat and understand, you know, given the givens, you got to caveat it, I think, to be fair, and then have a take. It's been 23 hours since the Friday night 11 o'clock Pacific start. What has changed? I don't want to hear anything else except... How has things changed in your mind in the last 23 hours? Not at all. Nothing. Nothing. I don't think there was any breaking news today, any updates. We're now in a holding pattern. We're actually back to where this was all supposed to be on Thursday, which was Ohio State said where he's on administrative leave and we're looking into this. And then on Friday, it got wacky with the Urban Meyer statement and with Zach Smith interviews in two different spots. Now, with the Donald Trump, President Trump and LeBron we speculated last night, and we went on air about an hour after his President Trump's tweet about LeBron and, you know, huge reaction, controversy. The right on one side, the right side, or at least the, the, the right side of the political spectrum, not necessarily correct, and then the left. Now, we speculated, and others did too, this could be the best thing that happened to Urban Meyer. Because I was listening to a podcast just tonight, and they were talking about the Dallas Mav scandal. Remember that? And the question they were asking was, well, what happened to that? Remember? There was like a, you know, bubbling up, and then somehow he, I think, uh, Cuban mixed things up a little bit by saying something about tanking, and then it kind of... Got the story distracted, and then all of a sudden the story disappeared. Am am I right? Did I miss something? No, it went away quietly. So really, when you debate, when you're in school, when you have, let's say, a, a D on a paper and you go up to the teacher and you say, I think you're wrong. 
What's your goal? Your goal is to convince the other person they're wrong, you're right. When it comes to scandals, the goal is to get people to quit talking about them. It's not even being right or wrong. It's to get them out of the front page or, you know, that might be a little dated off of the trending Twitter. So do you feel like the fact that we have no real update in 23 hours, is that a sign? And again, that doesn't mean if something egregious comes out, it's going to be really bad for Urban. If something esculpatory comes out, it's going to be good for Urban. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. But would we agree in the last 23 hours the fact that it feels like this has really died down is a good thing for Urban? And do you feel like the Trump... LeBron feud is the driver. It probably helped it, uh, but I don't know if it's the main driver. I think the main driver is Ohio State is trying to get their act together, and now they have to respond to Urban Meyer saying, hey, I followed protocol. So at some point, Ohio State is going to have to answer, and you know that in this case, there is a deadline. It's the beginning of the season. Is Urban Meyer around or not at the beginning of the season? So we basically have, what, about three and a half weeks uh, at at the max that they have to keep this story quiet. There's got to be an ending going into the season. But or, boy, at least, or at least an answer. In today's short attention span, I mean, it was funny. Last night, you walked in, and I said, about 20 minutes before the show, into the studios here, just off the Vegas Strip, and you said, I said, what do you think of that LeBron, <laughs> President Trump? You go, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I was having a late dinner before the show, and I was watching the Twitter stream, and it was like, man, I, can't, I couldn't remember before it came out. And then I looked, I go, you know, it only was about 90 minutes ago. So literally, if you would shower, you know, <laughs> have, it was. have a beer. And, well, yeah, you wouldn't for, necessarily have a beer was, and drive yeah. over. But, <laughs> and drive over, you miss like this whole news cycle, seemingly. It is crazy. So yeah. my point is, if somehow Ohio State can get away with not saying anything for even 10 days. Yeah. How... I mean, what is the appetite other than the Michigan fans, other than people with real staunch feelings? And let's not just act like, you know, adversaries of Ohio State's the only one that's going to have staunch feelings. I think there's some legitimate staunch feelings here. Um, Whichever side, you know, some people are going to be, oh, Urban Meyer maybe could or could have done better. But really, did he do anything super egregious all the way to, hey, in this Me Too age, we can't have any thing that's even close to impropriety. Let's just, you know, clear out that crap. So there's, you know, people take this stuff rightfully so very seriously. Other than those, that minority, quite frankly, that feels that much passion for it. In 10 days, what's the appetite for this story? Well, it depends on what happens over the next 10 days. So one, clearly Courtney Smith, the victim, has a connection with Brett McMurphy and has been feeding him stuff. So he may get something new on Tuesday or Wednesday. And here's the other one. You know, think about the other big story in college sports that got really quiet. Well, it's the FBI scandal. Once there were some leaks early on, it seems like the FBI said, all right, that's enough of the leaks. Now it's been buttoned down. We haven't heard anything about it. Now here's the deal. Does Ohio State have a a vault with all these people at the school while this investigation goes on that no one is going to leak anything to the media? Let's back up a second. That Arizona, we're talking about the college basketball, right? Yes, Yes. At this point, and Brad, jump in. If we had to say, given the givens right now, what is the culpability? What is the amount of uh, – ac- what actions did the coach for Arizona take that 
truly deserve punishment. Because, again, I don't follow these kind of process stories as closely. I'm looking at the odds more. But I've heard people talking like, hey, the impression we had when that story broke about that Arizona was drastically unfair. That's what I've been hearing. What's your take, Brad? That's exactly what the the case was for Sean Miller. Uh, It was kind of a mob mentality once the story came out. And now sitting back three months after it broke, you know, it was completely unfair that he had to sit out a couple games and go through that. I, I disagree. It got quiet. We don't know what the FBI has. They've battened down the hatches well, we could here. Say that, we could say that about you. Absolutely. Exactly. But I haven't been accused <laughs> and especially, of. I, I been especially Fezzik. Right. I haven't been accused of payoffs. <laughs> I mean, if they have him on a wiretap, then there's problems. Now, I will tell you, I will tell you that this is, this is a little bit of proof as to, uh, hey, maybe the FBI doesn't have a whole lot in these guys. Arizona has gotten right back on the horse in terms of recruiting. The other, the other school that has kicked ass in recruiting now is USC. Southern Cal was right in the middle of this thing, and they're pulling in big-time recruits left and right. So I would guess they're telling the recruits, hey, nothing's going on. Our recruits checking into it. Maybe nothing's going to happen. And, and so that's the thing. You're right. We can always say we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but for we're not supposed to be talking about what we don't know about, right? Who is? I mean, just think about where that goes. That's like... A polit- you know, it's almost like some cliche in a movie of a sleazy politician is, you know, I heard a rumor that perhaps the FBI is looking into my opponent and I'm not sure if he's beating his wife. I mean, it's like, where's the facts here? The important, I'm talking about the Arizona situation. Yeah. In the college basketball scandal, the important thing to remember is they arrested a handful of assistant coaches. All of those coaches will have to stay quiet and not flip. If they get one or two of them to flip, then there's going to be real trouble. Then, but then we don't know if they But then there's a story. Yes. But right, right now we're in a holding pattern. Yeah. But I think it's more in a holding pattern. We've moved drastically away from the tenor of the conversation the couple of days after the story broke. Do you think it's going to remain quiet for Ohio State? I mean, how would you fr- – I mean, last night you positioned it where Urban Ma- – and I've seen this on Twitter mm-hmm. – Ur- and, and I think Pat Forday had uh, – you know, was pretty critical from Yahoo. I, I read that article today. Um, the it seems like the narrative now is Urban is throwing the AD under the bus. But are you throwing him under the bus if what you're saying is true? Because I I think most people would say, you know, I get the whole, you know, I've never snitched before, and I'm not a snitch rat. You know, we're not in the mob here, right? Neither is Urban Meyer. Not the so much tattletaling or whatever, and school is a good thing. But if the authorities come a knocking, you know, I think the best thing people can do is tell the truth. Now, if telling the truth is going to incriminate you, then it, it makes sense you take the fifth if it's legal or whatever, right? So if Urban Meyer is simply telling the truth, the fact that it exonerates him, or let's say the fact that it's a positive for him, because People could make the case him lying to the press. He can't be exonerated from that, and we can debate that. But if the truth is positive for his side of the story, mm-hmm. then what should he do other than tell the truth? If he actually reported it and followed protocol, yeah. then, then I mean, yeah, it, he puts he puts Gene Smith on so the, uh, the griddle. And now but it's not throwing to, him under the bus. It's I telling the I truth. I didn't say he's throwing him under the bus. Now yeah. the pressure is on Gene Smith, and that the I'm assuming the university right now is having an internal struggle. Like, how do we handle this? Does Gene have to go? Do we want Gene to go? Does he have to be the fall guy? Gene Smith is worth uh, 10 Gene Smiths don't add up to one Urban Meyer. 
I mean, does anyone possibly... I mean, Brad, in fact, this is a great segue into our tease for the next segment. We're going to be talking about how valuable, quantifiably, Urban Meyer is. But I'm going to tell... I, we usually don't want to step on our teases. Gene Smith is worth zero points against <laughs> the spread. We'll tell you what Urban Meyer's worth. That's coming up. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. The temperature on the Vegas Strip right now, 99 degrees, clear skies, and the neon is humming. So we're talking Urban Meyer, Ohio State scandal, and A.D. Gene Smith, who may have to fall on the sword. And you were saying, or at least comparing, contrasting, when it comes down to it, Who's worth more to Ohio State, Urban Meyer or A.D. Gene Smith? Let me say it like this. <laughs> May I remind you, in this archdiocese, God don't run the bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Urban Meyer. Now, we know Gene Smith is worth zero points to the spread. Brad, let's look at and break it down. Now, listen, whenever you deal with numbers on the radio, it, it can be tough. So we're going to keep it high level and simple is right now, if Urban Meyer does not coach this year, this year, how big of a downgrade for the Buckeyes? Three points for a downgrade for Ohio State without Urban Meyer. Three points. Now, wowza. How many players on Ohio State are worth three points or more? Mm. Any? Because usually a quarterback, yeah. if, it's a, you know, if there's a really good quarterback in an average backup... In college, it's seven, eight, nine points, right? Florida State's quarterback last year got hurt. It was what about eight points? Yeah. I remember. Yep. Is what's how would you characterize the quarterback situation for the Buckeyes? It's a little difficult because Haskins, who I'm very high on as a replacement for four-year starter in JT Barrett, uh, you know, doesn't have much experience. But the reality so, is, so who, who's assuming he starts? Who's the backup? Tate Martell, a local kid from uh, Las Vegas, a very talented kid. But you I can't was, say right now that Haskins is worth three points. I can say he's yeah, worth two points. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Any other players? Because it's rare. No. In, in the NFL, and we say this a lot because it's so shocking, I think, to a lot of people, is there's no player in the NFL other than quarterbacks that are worth more than two points. Now, we can debate there's only a handful worth two. Fez is a little more uh, liberal and generous with those points. I think, to, <laughs> I think to a fault, right? But that's where, why they have chocolate and vanilla ice cream, right? We can disagree on that. But, Fez, no one disagrees, no serious expert, that there's any NFL player other than quarterbacks worth more than two points, correct? Correct. Okay. So, in college, is that, is that the case, Brad? Yeah, I would say. Well, more often than not, I mean, that's like the a case. great running back. Let's use Stanford's running back as an example. What's he worth? Bryce Love, the running back, two points. Because I think, you know, Stanford just, to, you know, rolls out running backs year in and year out. It might be just as much system as it is the, the talent level of the particular running back. So can we, <laughs> can we say the following? Yeah. Can we say Urban Meyer this year to The Ohio State University is worth more than any player in the country that's not a quarterback to his team? We can safely say that. Wow, that. Now that that is straight out of Vegas, baby. 
Gene Smith, still worth zero. Still zero. <laughs> okay, all right. Still zero. Just wanted now, to examine that. Now, here's what's even more fascinating. If Urban Meyer had retired, he'd be worth even more, but specifically at the end of last season. So, you know, last game in the press conference after he says, I'm done. Today's my last day. Why? Because if you look at Urban Meyer's value overall, his superior recruiting is a big chunk of that. So I think, and Brad, we talked about this, and your number I agree with, about four points versus an average coach. Now, this is where it can get a little complicated because the theory is, well, if Urban Meyer retires, Ohio State's going to have time, you know, they do it quickly to find their next coach. I mean, what? Other than, let's forget NFL coaches because some might might come, but it's hard to judge. Is the 16th best NFL coach better than the you know fifth best college? Let's forget those for a minute. How many college coaches in the country turned down Ohio State? I have a number. Let's let's do a quick around the horn. Literally, I just want to hear a number. We're going to start with Cofield. If Ohio State went to every coach in the country one by one and said, "Do you want to be our next head coach?" How many coaches say no? Cofield. I'll say three. Six. Ooh. Six. I was going to say ten. Wow. All right. So somewhere, I, I think... Well, I didn't want to oversell it because I figured right away you were going to be like, who? Well, <laughs> but but I, I didn't think, think about it. I mean, I think you could... I know Harbaugh. I mean, you could... Uh, would not take it. Uh, My Harbaugh, guy Harbaugh. You know, Saban, right? A&M, the A&M coach, the right. UT coach. You know, I mean, USC, I don't, you know, I mean, I think there's somewhere between five and ten. Absolutely. So it wouldn't be Urban Meyer versus a, a average replacement. And we can say that there, oh, there's some good coaches on the staff. Listen, they're assistant coaches for a reason, okay, on this Ohio State staff currently. So if someone has to be upped, it, it's going to be a, a significant downgrade. If they got the tenth best coach in the country, and let's say Urban Meyer's the second, I don't know. I don't think anyone can say he's better than Nick Saban. So let's be generous and call him the second best. Yeah, it's a drop off from ten from two to ten, but it's not that much of a drop off. So really, in a weird way, and this is why in Vegas things aren't always simple, and we try to break them down in a way that's understandable. If the recruiting were considered, Meyer would be worth even more, but. If when the recruiting would be a factor, it'd be a scenario Ohio State would be able to replace him with an elite coach as opposed to an assistant on the staff. Any closing thoughts on uh, the way that we are objectively with numbers measuring Myers? Influence. No, I just want to point out that Urban, you know, as far as worth to a line, I would definitely put him in the top two or three in the entire country. I mean, is so it, you got to give the list. Yeah, well, Saban's the other one. I mean, look at Urban in his entire career, sixteen-year career against the spread. His every game, fifty-eight percent with extra time to prep. We're talking season openers, bowl games, after a bye week. 75% against the spread. I mean, Irvin's elite. So anyone out there thinking three points is too much, obviously Irvin deserves it. And we've seen that reflected in the market so far. Week one game has dropped two and a half points against Oregon State already. That's Brad Prowers. I'm R.J. Bell talking Urban Meyer and the Vegas reaction. Now, if Meyer coaches this year, you still think there's a, fa- there's a downgrade? 
Yeah, at one point. Uh, I just think for the distractions. I mean, it's a lot. I mean, until the Donald Trump-LeBron news, this was the national story that everyone was focused upon. And obviously, we've seen Urban Meyer in the past hasn't dealt with major stress very good, having to retire at the end of the 2010 season for Florida. So that would be a question mark. Not only Urban, but the rest of the staff having to answer questions. Now, Brad, you do your power rankings, and you can follow Brad on Twitter, at Brad Powers 7 all one word, Brad Powers 7. Let's assume Meyer doesn't coach this year. Three-point downgrade. What does that do to the Buckeyes relative to the best teams in the country? So right now, if Urban were to coach, Ohio State would be number three in my rankings behind Alabama and Clemson. If Urban doesn't coach this year for the Buckeyes, downgrade Ohio State three points. Ohio State would go from number three in the country right now to number six in the country. A downgrade, but not a significant one. So let's talk about some of the uh, futures that are up on the boards. First of all, are they back up? Most places do not have anything that really readily available as far as Ohio State is concerned. Okay. Well, we were looking at 10.5 wins for the season. And, Brad, you estimated, what, if, if Meyer doesn't coach, about a half game. So over-under wins if he coaches 10.5. Now, remember, Vegas over-unders are regular season only. No conference championship, no bowl games. Because you don't know if they're going to play in them, so they're not accounted for. Ten and a half was the number. And if Meyer doesn't coach, what do you think the number is? It's ten. And we've seen a couple books that have kept that uh, on available on the board. It's still ten and a half, but it's juiced heavily where the numbers would equate to basically being at ten right now. So, Irvin, worth about a half a win. Fez, you're on this already? You found a ten and a half? When did you bet it? I bet it a day after the news came out. And i got to tell you, I love bad news. I absolutely <laughs> love it because I, if it's bad enough news, I will blindly fade the team and the markets and figure out what to do with it later. Even if Urban Meyer coaches, hey, we talked about a one point per game for distractions. That's worthy of betting under 10 and a half. That's Steve Fezzik. I'm the dirtiest player in the game. <laughs> I love bad news. <laughs> hey, listen, if you have a mansion and a yacht... I mean, listen, there's a, yeah. hey, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few <laughs> eggs. All right, let's, <laughs> let's go around the table on other numbers out there for the Big Ten, right? First of all, conference championship odds. There were changes, what, Buckeyes from minus 110 to? Plus 125. Okay. So, I mean, 35 cents is a significant change, uh, obviously, and let's break but, that but down. But let's keep something in mind. Right now, and this is an example of how you price a stock, let's say, when there's a merger. Uh, the stock's at 50 before any announcement of a merger. Merger's going to be at 60. Okay. What's the odds of the merger? If it's 50%, what's the stock? 55, right? There's a half a chance it goes up 10 points. So the theory is, okay, it's three points if Meyer's out. It's one point if he's not. So you split the difference between one and three, and it's two. A two-point adjustment seems to be pretty much in line with, on a per-game basis, right? So, hey, maybe they were favored by 11 in a spot. They'd be favored by nine in this situation. So a clear downgrade, but not a big downgrade makes sense. And it seems like all the markets, uh, the, the various Ohio State betting markets on the season moved in that fashion. Absolutely, they did. So what do you guys think of the uh, offshore number? Will Urban be there or not? And there's actually two different wagers, and you got to read, the, you know, the way this is worded is important. Will Urban Meyer be employed by Ohio State University for their September 1 game against Oregon State? That doesn't mean he has to coach, right? So that's no, minus 220. 
Will he be? Well, f- wow. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're saying if he's still suspended with pay. Will Urban Meyer be employed by the Ohio State University for their September 1 game versus Oregon State? Unless that's written poorly. No, well, listen. That, that to me says he's, he could, you could get a yes if he's still at the university, you know, serving a two-game no, suspension or the investigation's ongoing. And you're saying that in that case, the, will he be employed? So really another way to say that is, will he be fired? Because right? being fired is the opposite of being employed. Right. Will he be fired? And you're saying uh, yes is and plus, no is? Plus 180, no is minus 220. Okay, so no that he's going to be – but in this case, it's the no. I flipped employed. it. Employed. Employed. So really what they're saying is about a 66% chance that Urban Meyer right. gets fired. Okay. Ooh. So 33% chance that he's there. What does everyone think? I, I made the statement last night. I think it's a 75% chance that he is there. All right, so let's do this. We got an update coming up when we come back, and this gives everyone a little bit of time to think. Rapid fire, no pause and no stuttering. We're going to say, what are the odds that Urban <laughs> Meyer gets fired before the first game. But first, Steve DeSager with the latest. Thank you, gentlemen. A lot of baseball to get to in a moment. In Vegas tonight, a UFC victory for Henry Cejudo, a close split decision ending the reign of Demetrius Johnson as flyweight champ, and a win for TJ Dillashaw, a first-round TKO. Joey Logano won NASCAR's Xfinity race at Watkins Glen. Denny Hamlin then earned the poll for tomorrow's Cup Series race. Among those into the Pro Football Hall of Fame tonight, Randy Moss, Ray Lewis, and Brian Urlacher. In golf, Justin Thomas leads the Bridgestone Invitation Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson fell to a tie for 28th place, 11 back. The Anaheim Ducks gave goalie John Gibson an eight-year extension. Fox's Ken Rosenthal, MLB insider, reporting tonight that Angels manager Mike Sosha is expected to step down at the end of this season. He's ending a 10-year contract after this season. The Angels got shut out at Cleveland earlier tonight, 3-0. Winning pitcher Corey Kluber, now 14-6, and threw a complete game, three-hitter. Minnesota and St. Louis with wins. Philadelphia got a win, while Atlanta lost, got shut out 3-0 by the Mets. Texas and Houston with wins. In a World Series rematch, the Houston Astros beat the Dodgers in L.A., 14 to nothing. Houston starting pitcher Lance McCullers Jr. did leave with a sore elbow. Arizona is now alone and first in the NL West, a game up on the Dodgers, three games over Colorado after Arizona beat San Francisco 9-3. Milwaukee beat Colorado 8-4. Oakland won its fifth straight game, 2-1 over Detroit. Chris Davis is 30th homer. Toronto won at Seattle, 5-1. The Mariners have lost five in a row. Winning pitcher for Toronto, Marco Estrada, had a no-hitter tonight until one out in the bottom of the seventh. Doubleheader split in D.C. between Cincinnati and Washington in the nightcap. Bryce Harper of the Nationals limped off, hit by pitch on the knee. And Boston beat the Yankees again 4-1. to The Red Sox, with the best overall record, are now in the AL East division standings, eight and a half games ahead of New York. The Yankees have lost four straight. Back to you. Thank you. R.J. Bell here, straight out of Vegas. Here's the question. What are the odds? Let's be very specific. And let's use percentages. Percentages. What's the percentage chance Urban Meyer is fired by the first game of this season? Steve Cofield. 25, 75, 25% he's fired. So the market's saying, oh, no, no, no. He's 66 to be fired. You're saying 25. Cofield, he, I mean, let's be candid. You are a skeptic of human nature. <laughs> and it's coming out. I respect the might of big time college football. Brad Powers. 35% chance he gets fired. Also less than wow. 66, significantly. I agree with Brad. I have 35% exactly as well. 
Okay, like the price is right. I'm going 36, but no, <laughs> I generally agree the odds are less than 50%. And, he, you know, the online betting, I'll tell you this, Fez, let me ask you. If this were a bet in Vegas, and Vegas is because of the gambling commission in Nevada, they're more restrictive on these types of bets. Usually they want it to happen on the field of play. Now, sometimes they've been getting a little bit more permissive, Nevada has, in the last few years. But if they had this, that exact bet, and you were getting, let's say, plus 180, he wouldn't be fired. Um, And you think the odds he wouldn't be fired are 65%. What kind of bet do you make? Make a limit bet plus 180. Make another limit bet when it drops to plus 160. Just keep betting it. It's so strong, RJ. Okay, so this is one that you... Because uh, it's one thing to say, hey, force decision. decision. Yeah, it's 330 stations, Fox Sports Radio Nationwide. But still, you're not going in your wallet. And we know that's what really matters for you, correct? Now, but the idea is you actually not only think the odds of Meyer getting fired or less than 50, you feel strongly about that. Very much so. He had to know everything, this guy. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. <laughs> no inside info on this one, though. No inside info. One thing we should but, say. But, you know, Cofield actually, in a way, it's inside info, not inside info like people are used to, but inside the human spirit. <laughs> of greed. You just are such you're such a misanthrope. Yes. You know, you just so don't believe in in, in the goodness of humans. Is that true? Absolutely. Highest yeah. level of cynicism you can have. <laughs> Last thing fast. We should be a little careful when we're saying fired, we also would include him resigning as being part of being fired, I think. And- yeah, that that's a good point. Would um yeah. Because to me, the, any any bet that makes a distinction between those two, we know oftentimes that's semantic. So you know, w- will he would he be uh, you know removed from the or uh, away from the Ohio State program? But I think that was the assumption with all the numbers. So really, to to put a cap on it, I've got one more before you put a cap on it. Right, to almost put a cap <laughs> on it, all of us, all four of us here, believe the odds of Meyer coaching are better than fifty fifty this season at. Ohio State. Looking ahead, I've got another set of odds here. This is something to think about. 2019. Who's the Ohio State coach the start of the 2019 spring practice? Would you guys even be interested in putting money on this? Is it a value deal or is that just way too much money to put into you know, escrow, essentially? Yeah, and it's important to repeat because we have, you know, I think – from everything we can gather, more than half our listeners are not active bettors. They might bet, you know, Super Bowl, might bet March Madness, but not betting uh, even every week of the football season. Right. So professional bettors, bettors that bet amounts they really care about, they hate betting a year ahead or nine months ahead. Why? Because you're letting the book, and remember, bookies are bad. We're against them. They, they are the opposition, and they're not fair. They get to hold your money. And back in the day when you could go in a money market and get 8%, that would be very meaningful. But for a professional better, it's very meaningful because that means he can't bet with that money. Think of all the bets Fezzik <laughs> is going to miss yes. if he lets that bad bookie hold his money for nine months. So to, for me in general, and this is a great piece of actionable information, if you make a bet that the bookie's going to hold your money, it's got to be at least one full level better 
than a bat that's going to get saddled within a week. So who will be the coach at the start of 2019? So where are the practice? Odds? Urban Myers plus 250. If we're not going above 30, what'd you say, 36% that he'll be fired is plus 250 good value. So that's interesting. So plus 180 this year if he coaches. and But really not quite that because he could still be suspended and you still mm-hmm. get the plus 180. So really the idea that he had, you know, the fact that they would be holding the money and the fact that, that he would actually not be suspended all the way to next spring, which means they'd have to take him back. I'd rather take the plus 180 okay. for game one. Absolutely. Then, Agree. Yeah. And then the rest of the list just a waste. But I would say, yeah. But I would say yeah. this. Oh, it, I it's mean, interesting. Brian Kelly, 14. Bob Stoops, interesting. 14 to 1. So so the, those are the two favorites. No. Actually, Matt Campbell, who's at Iowa State, is plus 450. The interim coach, Ryan Day, is 5 to 1. Mike Gundy, 7. Jeff Roms, 8. Lane Kiffin. Interesting. 10 to 1. Uh, Brian Kelly, 14. Bob Stoops, 14. Tom Vermin, as they call him at Houston. The Texas coach, he's 20 to 1. So, uh, to me, here's what to put a cap on it. What I would say is if Urban Meyer comes back. But, you know, remember. Wow, I was ready to say something and I stopped because... We mentioned the stress. We mentioned the whole kind of, you know, borderline, you know, quasi heart attacks or whatever at Florida is this has to be super high stress. Does he maybe come back? Let's say the team loses three games. I was going to say, boy, if he comes back, he's going to stick it out. Maybe he comes back as an act of redemption and then leaves kind of feeling like, hey, the chancellor, you know, because let's be candid. I think Ohio State did the right thing. Because by by giving him a leave, you're saying we're taking, I, you know, we don't. If Ohio State's not going to say this, but if they would have said, we don't know if there's a five percent chance that Urban Meyer is guilty or a ninety five percent chance, but the fact it's greater than zero, that it's a material chance, we take this stuff seriously enough. We're going to set, we're going to stop everything and find out. I think that's a heck of a message, but I also think a good one, a very good message. But I also think Urban Meyer could take it as him getting thrown under the bus, especially if it ends up that he was innocent other than obviously lying on Big Ten Day. Straight out of Vegas, right here on Fox Sports Radio or in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com. 15 minutes ago, we turn our attention to the NBA, and we've got an undercover bet from the association right here, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Back here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Great news. It was a quick way to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell. You know something, Cofield? A lot of people don't know. And we mention it whenever it's appropriate. UFC expert you are. <laughs> boxing expert. You wrote boxing in UFC for Yahoo for many years. And right here, locally, you cover the sports. And this is the center of the UFC universe. There was a gigantic upset tonight. Yes. Uh, championship uh, belt changes hands at 125. Demetrius Johnson has been just about unbeatable. He was a 600 favorite, a minus 600 favorite in a second chance for Henry's uh, Cejudo, and Cejudo beat him in five rounds, fetched anywhere between, uh, well, he fetched like plus 400. Plus 400. So back in the day, and I'm, I'm talking now 10 years ago, the wise guys and Fez, you might have caught wind of this. The talk was, 
oh, UFC, just bat the dogs, just bat the dogs. Because we were so trained that the the better fighter, you know, Muhammad Ali versus whomever, Larry Holmes, Tyson, et cetera, as the years have gone by here, uh, and then obviously with Mayweather, the idea was that better fighter won almost all the time. And in UFC, what was it took a long time for us to understand as even casual fans or especially as batters is even it's one of those situations, even if this guy is clearly better because it just takes one punch or one submission, the underdogs had a chance. And for years and years, batters made big money just betting not every dog, but a lot of big dogs. Has that changed? Because uh, from my senses, things that would have been plus 400 10 years ago are now like plus 180. So if something is plus 400 like it was tonight, it might have been you know plus 1,000 right. years ago. Yeah, you can't just bet dogs anymore. You can't. The, the, the fights are too even. They have too many fighters on the roster. They have too many new fighters coming in. So you got to be more scientific about it. I will say the minus 600 loss uh, at this level in a title fight is absolutely one of the eight biggest upsets in the history of UFC. Wow. And think about it. This is like Mayweather and, and all these fights where they were fairly competitive, at least coming in. He was usually in the minus 600 range. I mean, yep. this was a big upset. And I think what's changed is the market understands, even though it seems like this fighter's better, the distance between the two isn't near as broad or wide as we thought it was. Shifting gears straight out of Vegas, I'm RJ Bell. Charles Barkley, Chuck, as we like to call him here in Vegas, he was on with Dan Patrick. And listen, Barkley knows things about the NBA that Vegas guys don't. I mean, we know things Barkley doesn't, but he certainly knows things we don't. And sometimes if you listen closely, they tell you who they would be betting if they bet. So one of our new features is we uncover their best bets for you. So here's Charles Barkley with Dan Patrick, and he answers the question where he thinks the Lakers will be in the Western Conference playoff race. They're number five seed, maybe six uh, in the West. I don't think they're better than Oklahoma City. Uh, I don't think they're better than the Denver Nuggets. Minnesota's better than the Lakers. The greatest LeBron is, I see them as a four, five, six seed. Okay, let's process that. Because we've got another, no, we've got another it's bet here. It's almost like you got to interpret it. I know. We've got another bet here. So he said four, five, or six, said five or six again. Uh, he also answered the question about being in the West now versus the East and talks about a win total. He got 20 easy wins uh, the last few years. He won't get those easy 20 wins in a Western Conference. Yeah, I'm curious that too, that I think the over-under is 50 wins for the Lakers this year. What do you think of that number? 50. Uh, I think that's a right about right. I think they're right in that neighborhood. There you go. In the neighborhood. So he's not ready to fire on the 50 over-under. So let's be clear. Golden State and Houston went unsaid. Then he said, OKC, Denver, Minnesota. And every one, Barkley said, clearly better. So that means LeBron and the Lakers are going to be the sixth seed. We actually clipped out, though. He said that he thinks the Rockets are going to 
fall back. But he didn't but say he didn't that. Say but, like but he didn't seven. say a seven or eight. But yeah. maybe maybe that's what he meant. And I I heard the whole clip. I didn't he throw Utah in mumble Utah at one point. He uh, I don't remember him saying Utah, but he doubled down on Denver and again Portland, later potentially. I mean, this Minnesota. I'll tell you this. I'm going to put a little challenge out to Chuck because he likes to bet. All right, and he can make a bet. Like you know, I'm very comfortable. With Chuck making a bet that he really can feel. Because that's the thing about when you're a millionaire like Chuck. you got to feel it. So, Fez, I think we could get together a little syndicate. If he said Minnesota, Lakers, most wins, and he wanted to bet, let's say, a half mil. I think we could do it, huh? You know, those two teams. You seem scared. I'm a little scared. How's this? I'll do it. You do it, aren't <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, you, you could just... Uh, Clap for me after. What would you put, what would you put the odds if I said I want you to take Minnesota? I'm taking the Lakers. How many games do I have to lay? I think they're about two and a half games apart. Two and a half only. Mm. What do you think, Ophiel? I disagree. I think they're about seven games apart. I think the T Wolves are going to have a very contentious season. Jimmy Butler's not happy. He can leave. I think things are going to come unravel for leave, that team. He can leave when after the year. Yeah, and in theory, that's uh, potentially when you trade him, right? So if they're Especially, playing like crap at the trade deadline, I think he goes bye-bye. I think Fez might be right if everything fell right for Minnesota. But if it doesn't, I do think there's a real downside with Minnesota. LeBron's not going to let this team be not have a home game uh, or a ho- at least one home series. I mean, he can will this team. When we come back, though, we are talking preseason NFL. A lot of people might say, who cares? Some of the biggest bets of the year are in preseason NFL. That is on the way. Straight out of Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, Steve Cofield, R.J. Bell. Hour number two of two. Action-packed first hour. I think we got even more in the second hour. And two pregame pros, Brad Powers, college specialist. Steve Fezzik, professional specialist, NBA and NFL. And I'll tell you, Steve, for those, and I didn't make it super explicit, we, I had a challenge last segment right before the hour break on Barkley. If he thinks Charles Barkley, Sir Chuck, if he thinks Minnesota is going to win more games than the Lakers, just follow, you know, just DM me on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. I will bet. I'll say, uh, you know, I want to be, you know, I'm going to say I'll, 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 I know I can get together a group. I'll take up to a half a million dollars. Public challenge. I'm guessing we're not going to hear from Chuck. You don't think so? No. He's a big player. I love it. I would love it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I like it too. Vegas lead for hour number two. We've got 12. You want want a piece? Uh, I'm in for like 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get that payoff from that Johnny Manziel bet. Hey, li- oh. But that's not coming until September. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the story real quickly. That, that's, oh, they, that is they, a funny story. So you and I had a conversation back in February. Uh, there were odds up offshore. Will Johnny Manziel be on an NFL roster at the beginning of the season? The no was minus 250. The yes was plus 170. And I said, I'll take the no. You said yes. I like the yes. Yeah. And listen, here's the thing. <laughs> One of the things I worry about is people thinking that RJ's never wrong, right? So I want everyone to realize, hey, even the best – and I, listen, there's guys that aren't ever on the radio. They're not wasting time on the radio. They're betting. 
and they win more than me, right? So there are certainly some really great batters, but the greatest batters in the world win about 55% of the time, right? So you do have to be realistic no matter how sharp you are. It's about that difference between a coin flip and 55% is the difference between working a straight job and having a mansion and a yacht like Fezzik does, right? So this is one of the ones I was playing wrong. It's now, not over first yet. First off, it's not, not over yet. It's not over yet. But I would be trying to buy myself well, out. Let's just say this. But here's the sick Let's part. tell people what happened it, last it, night, too. I mean, but it, here's it, the, the sick it, part. It got pretty ugly. So we are in a new studio. Last night was the first night. And we have a, about a couple of weeks of um, additions to make. And then we are going to be streaming all of our radio stuff, live video. We're going to be streaming our podcast. We're going to be doing all kind of video-oriented stuff. And, and even uh, improved audio equipment. Everything goes up, right? And I've been ecstatic with the quality, uh, you know, the sound quality of the show. But we're even going to step it up another level. So we have a guy. He's in the uh, pregame doc, pregame.com forums a ton. He goes by Sleepy J. Great guy. Uh, former Marine. I mean, you know, thank you for your service. He moved from Pennsylvania to Vegas to work for us, and he's exceeded every expectation, right? So we moved, and he was the champ, the MVP of the move. I mean, carrying couches on his back, that kind of stuff. So at the end, and I won't give the number, but at the end, I said, you know something? You've really impressed me. I'm going to give you a bonus. And it was, let's just say it was a nice number, very nice number. Now, you would think, because this guy seemingly was super loyal before you give him a big bonus you're thinking well the loyalty increases right so you start harping i mean you finally are going to win a bet against me so i mean this is like the the, the focus well of your- tell him what i said to you i said you are an attention to detail guy so i figured your first response would be well did i actually make that bet but I, so i started to look for the audio and i told you well it's going to take a little time for me to find the audio yeah. from february but here's the thing i knew i made the bet so i wasn't going to say anything okay. about right. it right All i was right. going to see if you had the initiative yes. to go find the audio and let's be honest my best bet of the year would be no you wouldn't right so Sleepy says, oh, hey, I'm going to go look up that audio for you, Cofield, and get it for you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Now, what kind of mentality is that? Right? I mean, it's almost like somehow my the, the big bonus, he, he said, I can do anything now, I guess. I guess I have to te- teach him a lesson. But I will say this when it came to my thoughts on Manziel. Do you know how some people get premonitions? I'm one of them. Yeah. 11, but, they're, 11, but they're not always right. 11 to 20. It's 11 to 20. It is Montreal debut. Four interceptions, two carries for four yards. Every prop you could bet offshore w- went under. Every, except, what, what, except, what? The, except the over under uh, a half an interception. No, was it? A, yeah, it was a half an interception. He got four. I mean, what possible expectation <laughs> could he have exceeded? Right? By definition, a prop is if it goes over. I mean, again, you can bet the, negative. The numbers pro- were crazy, though. It was like over, over under 255 yards, over one and a half touchdowns. I think it was over 27 under, and a half. Under, yeah, under, Exactly. Under. Over 27 and a half yards rushing. He was terrible, and his team lost 50 to 11. So football, it's a good transition. We had the Hall of Fame game Thursday night, and a lot of people, and, you know, I do uh, – about a dozen radio hits, big city hits or national hits throughout in, and on Fox um, with uh, JT every week, with uh, Doug Gottlieb every week during the football season, with the Gormans every week, all year round, etc. One of the things I get most from the non-gamblers, and a lot of hosts, you know, especially in 2018, 
you got to know gambling a little bit. And they've all done a good job, I think, of embracing it. And the ones that don't know it so well will ask a bunch of questions. And I think it's great for the audience because oftentimes, you know, we've got straight out of Vegas, I think the smartest radio audience in America. I really believe that because if you're betting and you're betting in an intelligent fashion, uh, you're ahead of the average sports fan. So let's say that kudos. And a lot of the other uh, shows don't have a big gambling audience. So the rudimentary, the basics, it makes sense to go over that stuff. This is what I get more than anything. You can bet on preseason games. And the rationale is pretty good, right? If they don't care, why would you risk money on it? But this is what is counterintuitive, but boy, it's just true. I would say, and Fez, let me ask you, that amongst the major sports, we got all, you know, there's all the niche, you know, WNBA this and Canadian football that, Johnny Manziel props, but amongst the big American sports, and let's include hockey in there, so six, I would say of any season, sub-season, Month of the year, you know, we can say first month of baseball. Okay, I take if we're, if we're doing some kind of snake draft to say I get this part of a certain season, you get the next pick, I get the next pick, and at the end of the year, we only get to throughout the year we only get to pick in the sports that we picked, and thus we're going to want to pick the sports that we think we have the best chance to win. My first pick unequivocally is NFL preseason. What's yours? It is the same. It's not even close. And let's, frankly, let's look at the limits that the bookie, the evil bookie will take. You want to bet $3,000 on a baseball game. No problem. You walk up and ask for that. And almost every book on a preseason football game, they'll start laughing, give you <laughs> 500 or 1,000. And remember, guys, Warren Buffett, the great investor, he quotes this, this came from way back in the day, is you want to. Be greedy when others are scared and be scared when others are greedy. So when everyone's like, oh, my gosh, this seven-point favor in the NFL playoffs, they're a lock. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Well, be scared, right, because everyone's being greedy. Right now, we know the bookies are scared, right? So you're saying in Las Vegas, you go, let's say, to one of the biggest casinos on the Strip. These are places, literally, if you want to bet – 100,000 a hand at blackjack, they have no problem, correct? Yes. Okay. And how much can you get down? Steve Fezzik, two-time Super Contest champion. Your face in town, no but no doubt about it. That's just the truth. In all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the f-ing world. How much can you get down walking up to the counter on a preseason game? About $1,000. They're scared, so we <laughs> should be greedy. <laughs> all right, let's go through Fezzik's. Four edges that the betters may have if you play it correctly. One, motivation. And motivation, I think, is the most important. Think about this. During the regular season, yeah, there are some games that players and coaches have circled that one team's slightly more motivated. But in the preseason, you absolutely have games where one team couldn't really care, the coaches, whether they win or not, whereas the other team, the other team's coaches, really want the W. Now, keep in mind, the coaches care in all cases, about the team performing well. That's different than winning a game. So it might be, hey, this play... I mean, think about it. This is a great example where it would be diametrically opposed. 
you got a quarterback and he's struggling throwing deep on third down. If you really want to win the game, you avoid throwing deep on third down. If you don't care about winning the game, you just want to get better for the regular season, you still want a good performance, you actually are going to throw deep on third down a lot to get the guy practice. It literally can be the exact opposite between wanting a good performance and wanting to win on the scoreboard. Now, why do some coaches want to win and some coaches don't? So it's not motivation. It's the differences in motivation between the team. A motivational edge is the factor here, right? So let's be clear about that. Why is there an edge? I can think of a couple reasons. Tell me if you agree. One, some coaches just care more and some just care less in a blanket fashion when it comes to the preseason. Bill Parcells, now every year it goes by, it's getting more ancient, was famous. He hated losing. He was going to win those preseason games. Tony Dungy was the opposite. He almost took pride in losing preseason games. Now, no one today is as extreme as those two. But in general, especially when you have coaches with 8, 10, 15 years, you get a real trend line. Some coaches really care and some don't generally. And two of the coaches that care the most, Pete Carroll, Seattle, the man just likes to win football games, 32 and 17 straight up. That's a pretty big sample. Mike Zimmer, Minnesota, Vikings, 14 and 3 in the preseason. Those are pretty darn strong. Now that's straight up. Yes. Okay, so what we've got when it comes so far, preseason betting is something the pros love, the bookies hate. That means you should like it. And we've got the first main approach, which is generally how much does a coach care about winning. When we come back, we're going to give you three more ways to win in the preseason. That's on the way straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, we're talking about the NFL preseason and edges that the betters may have. Big edges. Bookies are scared. We get greedy. As we already talked about, some coaches care about winning in the preseason more than others. Now, week to week, there's motivational swings. Absolutely, and it really shows up the most week two, RJ, in terms of motivation. I love this. So this is week zero, right? The Hall of Fame week. Correct. So you're saying there's going to be a full week is week one, then it's week two. And when we come to week two, no NFL coach wants to go 0-4 in preseason. Well, you start out 0-1, you're on the road to 0-4. So teams that start 0-1, the coaching staff, they get a little more motivation to win that game. Teams that start 1-0, breathe a little easy. We're not going to go winless. Now we can evaluate all our talent properly. I love betting 0-1 teams week two, especially getting points against 1-0 teams. So if you're out there thinking, wait a minute, losing four in a row if you're flipping a coin is 16-1. to I'm gonna. So if I'm afraid of flipping four heads, let's say, and if I flip one head, yeah, I wish... I didn't, but am I going to get scared? There's three more to go. But here's why what you're saying is true, Fez. The third game of the preseason is the most like the regular season. It is everyone's trying hard. So if somehow you're 0-2, you're not going to try any harder than if you're 2-0 because it's the dress rehearsal game. So in game four... That's the game that's least like, it's kind of counterintuitive. You would think it gets more and more like the regular season. No, this is typically only the players that are on the cut line 
all get a bunch of time and it's that last look at them. Now, you don't want to be 0-3 with a bunch of people that most of them won't even be on your team deciding if the big headline in the newspaper the week before your regular season kickoff is first 0-4 season in you know, 30 years or whatever. So that second game, if you're 0-1, is the time where you have the most control to make sure you get that one win. Because even if you're 1-3, and three, it's, not a he- it's not a newspaper headline. 0-4 oh, is a newspaper headline. So it just makes sense, now that we've defined that second game, is we're going to be looking to play on, not blindly, but looking to play on the 0-1 oh, teams that are playing the 1-0 and oh teams, correct? Spot on. All right, so we got two now. Know the coaching history. That is an edge for sure. You have to be aware of that. Three, know the quarterback rotations. Yeah, it's huge. And it's very difficult, frankly, going through. I'm going through all the teams right now trying to break down who are who has the best quarterback rotations. Of course, you need to know how so long. So are we talking about, when I hear quarterback rotations, I'm thinking of two things. One is how much each quarterback's going to play. We're going to break down the Hall of Fame game Quickly, but I think there's two good takeaways from it. But Flacco didn't play. Right? So I don't care how good Flacco is or isn't. If he doesn't play, it doesn't matter. So part of the quarterback issue is who's going to play and how much. And number two is how good are the backups? Most people don't have a great feel. You know, I heard Colin Cowherd, and I can't respect a radio guy more than I respect Colin. And listen, when you talk 15 hours a week... Cofield knows this on local. You make a lot of mistakes. Is that right, <laughs> yes. Cofield? A All the lot time. of mistakes. Me, a few more than Colin. <laughs> but Colin said, oh, Patriots, big trouble. They don't even have a backup this year. Huh. I think Hoyer is maybe the 25th best quarterback in the NFL. Literally. I think he's better than five or six or seven starters. You think, do you agree with that, Fez? Might be a little optimistic, but he was the only quarterback in 15 years to lead the Cleveland Browns to a winning record. Yeah, and he's getting older, but boy, as a backup especially, I mean, he, he's one, to me, he's a top backup. But does Colin believe that or not? I don't know, because, you know, if you're talking for three hours, you can say some things and in hindsight think, oh, I, I didn't mean to say that. But it goes to show you how many people really know how good these backups are. Not many. And how many, how good's the third string guy, right? I know Landry Jones is about as bad as you can get as a Steelers fan, but how good's the third string? Well, it's a rookie. Okay, well, how much time are they going to get? To me, these are all things, quite frankly, if you're not handicapping preseason, you're not even thinking about. So any other t- quarterback-wise, last point, anything like, hey, look for this look, or, or fade this or, or back that. Look for the running quarterback in your second and third string quarterback. Let's face it, these players haven't been in camp very long. The players are going to break down. Break down. If you can scramble, it's a huge edge. Okay, so what you're saying is almost like college. Like the professional three steps, boom, timing patterns. It's not going to happen for any of these third string guys. Thus, the guys that can break one or two plays have an edge. They do. That's good. We're talking about edges you the better have in the preseason. Number four, understand scheduling dynamics. Absolutely. And by scheduling dynamics, I'm looking for a team typically with more rest. Let me give one example this year. There's only one Monday night football game. So let's be clear. The dynamic difference, it's all about the relative difference between the teams that are playing, is usually going to be 
amount of rest. Exactly. And there's Indianapolis and Baltimore. Week two of preseason are playing on Monday night football. Let's think about this. So the next week, they only have five days off. That's the dress rehearsal week three. But their players only having five days off, RJ. I'm not sure it's going to be their dress rehearsal. I'm not sure if their veterans are going to play nearly as much as their opponents. And their opponents potentially had, you know, there's some Saturday or Sunday games, Saturday games, and even before that, right? So they could have a couple of days edge in the matchups. And by the way, right at before the end of the hour in our best bet section, one of the two teams that play on Monday night and then the next game have that disadvantage, you have a best bet against one of those two teams. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So Fezzik's got two NFL money movers. First of all, what does that mean? You know something? If you don't mind, let's go quickly to the Hall of Fame game because I think there's a good segue here. And it's a situational advantage. So we talked about rest being an advantage. How about having an extra game under your belt? Because we all, you know, these teams have a plan. Game one, we rest our guy. Game two, we do our quarterback. Game two, we do this. Game three, we. Well, Hall of Fame, it's like we, Brad, we deal with this in college often, which is a team's playing their first game versus a team that's playing their second game. And that team that's playing their second game has a big edge. Uh, absolutely. I, I hark back to a Notre Dame-Nebraska game where no, uh, Notre Dame was playing their first game. Nebraska was playing their third game, and it was a significant advantage for the Cornhuskers. So how in the preseason do you account for those two Hall of Fame teams? So typically the Hall of Fame teams do have an edge in game two. The betters are aware of this. However, it was mitigated because the Hall of Fame game would be on Sunday, then they have to turn around usually play on Friday, short work, work week, that's not the case. Okay, so extra game versus short week. Wasn't sure where the edge was. Now, though... Now they've moved the Hall of Fame game. The last two years, it's been on Thursday. So now we get the full week of rest for the Hall of Fame teams. It is the only way I would look to bet is on the team teams that played in the Hall of Fame game. So think about it. We got the two teams that played. Doesn't mean you're playing blindly. But what Fezzik is saying, the only he is the only two-time super contest champion. That is the World Series of Poker sports betting. Only got to win it twice. Did it back-to-back in the NFL. This is his specialty. He's saying there's no scenario I would bet against. That edge is so big, it's either play on these teams or pass. Now, last thing in the Hall of Fame game, a lot of whispers. And I don't get it with Lamar Jackson. Because here's what I know. Baltimore had a pick. They could have picked Lamar Jackson a few picks higher. They had no idea. There were, I mean, if you looked at the mock drafts, if I'm just going by memory, L- Lamar Jackson was like 23 and a half was the over-under. So it was past that. It was past where he was expected to be picked. And Baltimore traded back a couple picks and then took him, which was they could have had him, and they said, oh, no, give us you know whatever draft choice they get to go back a few and then when he was there, they took him. Doesn't mean they didn't spend a first-round pick on him, but obviously they weren't chomping at the bit. Or if they were, they would have taken him you know, at 25 or 26 or wherever that was, right? Yep. I, I remember that right. New England, there was all this talk, oh, this is the quarterback that under Belichick, Lamar Jackson can excel. Well, New England said, no, thank you. Doesn't mean he's not going to be a Hall of Famer even, potentially. 
But this idea, he's the sneaky, you know, could have went first. And you're hearing all this crazy and how good he is in camp. Uh, I've been skeptical of that. Obviously, he didn't look great in the first game. Yeah, and it's way too early, obviously. But so, why are we talking about? It? Well, it's a little, dis- <laughs> it's a, it's a little discerning. I mean, you usually don't want to. You usually don't want to start your point with, you know, this doesn't really matter. He's but, not ready. But please it listen ma- to me. It matters, RJ. He's not ready. He basically looked to his first receiver, and if it wasn't there, he just tucked it and ran. And the Bears were ready for it, and they stopped him. So the things that you would worry about with a, a quarterback that ran a lot in college is ability to play the professional game with the the way where the reads and not running and doesn't mean he's as you said doesn't mean as the years go by or even this year at some point but looking short short term it would seem like he's not as advanced Lamar Jackson in that regard as we would have hoped exactly and the fact the Bears were able to so forecast that that is indeed what he was going to do Let's get to those money movers. The Sharps have been all over two teams when it comes to win totals, betting the over. We'll tell you which teams would first. Ralph Irvin with the latest. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. And news breaking tonight from The Athletic that Angels manager Mike Sosha will announce that he's going to be stepping down at the end of the season. This is the final season of his 10-year contract, and the decision reportedly is his own, not the team asking him to leave. It is his 19th year right now with the Angels. Not a good day for the Halos. They were shut out by the Indians. 3-0, only three hits. Corey Kluber, a great performance. Bad night for the Dodgers. Worst home shutout loss since the 20s, and obviously their worst in L.A. 14-0, they lose to the Houston Astros. Arizona won their second straight. They're now a game up on the Dodgers in the NL West after a 9-3 win over San Francisco. Chris Davis was his 30th home run. Oakland beat Detroit 2-1. The A's now two and a half games up on Seattle for the final American League wildcard spot. That after the Mariners fell to Toronto 5-1. And at UFC 227, TJ Dillashaw retaining his bantamweight belt with the first-round TKO of Cody Garbrandt. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car-buying experience. And the Pro Football Hall of Fame Saturday inducted seven new members. Bobby Bethard, Robert Brazil. Brian Dawkins, Jerry Kramer, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, and Brian Erlacher are the class of 2018. Gentlemen. Thank you, Ralph. Appreciate it. All right, we've got uh, Fezzik's NFL Money Movers. This is at least two plays where the Sharps have been all over win totals. We start with the Cleveland Browns. Where are the betters going with the Cleveland Browns? The betters are betting the Browns to go over five and a half wins. The VIG you had to pay on this was... Minus 130 two weeks ago. Now you got to pay minus 180 on over five and a half on the Browns. Okay, so the Browns are being (laughs) bet. And let's be candid. When you win 0.0 games, (laughs) as they said on Animal House, and your total opens at five? Yes. That's saying, hey, this is going to be a much improved team. Not many teams are going to be plus five. But But that said, everyone rushes to play over that. That, that's my point. Yeah. I'm saying it's not – if you think, oh, are the Browns going to do better than last year? Well, okay, let's hope. Right? Worst you can do is tie. But the idea of saying five and then over, 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 it shows a ton of optimism. I'll tell you this. This is square. And sometimes you just got to bask in your squareness a little bit. I don't do it often. 
But I quit betting the Browns halfway through last season. <laughs> because, Fez, you tell me, because you are as connected as anyone in Vegas when it comes to NFL betting especially. I would say the Wise guys have lost more money in the last three years on the Browns than any other team in the NFL. And I don't think it's really close. It might be double. They seem to bet on them. Double any other team. Yes. The wise guys. Seems like every Sunday they back them, RJ, and they're 10-29 and against the spread on Sundays. They, meaning the Browns. So, to me, and this is what I always say about the Sabermetric. You know, we had Charles Barkley earlier. I haven't gotten any DMs from him yet about (laughs) this bet, by the way. And, And to me... I think it's hard to imagine that math and the sabermetric guys and uh, are just clueless. Like, there's a lot of wisdom there. There's a lot of knowledge there in the sabermetrics and the analytics. But the idea that we can measure everything, and to me, you know, I actually did a podcast with an 83-year-old fellow who grew up in Reading, Pennsylvania. I haven't released it yet. I'm going to put it out in the next week or so. And he has been gambling since he was like 12. So like for 70 years and he was telling all the stories of the dice games he ran. And and back in Pennsylvania, he ran away from the feds when there was a big bust and was living in Arizona under an alias. I mean, this was a borderline movie plot and we did three and a half hours over two podcasts detailing his life. And he, excuse me, he said something that really made me think. He said he hated blackjack because once you you put your money out there before you knew what the scenario of the bet was. And that's interesting, right? You know, Brad, you make a college football bet. You may be right. You may be wrong. You know the teams. You know all, you know, now things can change, but you have a pretty good idea what you're betting on. Absolutely. Right? Horse racing, pretty good idea what you're betting on. Think about all the different things. But in blackjack, for example, he's like, I have to make my full commitment before I know anything. Now, if you're counting cards, you might know, oh, there's some advantages. But, and it really, really made me think. And, I mean, if you, you, you think about the Browns, we don't have to bet. I'm not sure if it's just random that the Browns have lost all these games against the spread and the wise guy's numbers said bet the Browns and we just lose and lose and lose. It could be, oh, it's a small sample size. And if somehow, if there was a way to play a thousand of these games, they would have won money with the Browns. Or it could be there's something in the math that they're not accounting for. There's something about this Browns team. And in general, I don't believe that. I'm going to go sabermetrics first. But when I have year after year after year that the numbers aren't right. And I refuse to be a fool. I'm passing on the Browns. Yeah, then the second half of the season, you start sending out emojis. What was your emoji last year with like a poison sign with the Browns? And and <laughs> you're like, I can't do it anymore. And, and I tell you, I think they finished you what two and six against the spread. And then the wise guys bet them every week. Let's reiterate: you do like this over, though. You agree with it? I do, and it's and all I refuse it. to be a fool. <laughs> It's all analytics. I'm looking at a team that you could make the case has easily has an average defense. You break down all the components on offense. Other than quarterback, they're just below average on offense. And a quarterback, Taylor is my 20th rated quarterback. Almost an average quarterback. You add all these averages up, he should be average and go 8-8. Eight and eight. Last thought on the Browns. <laughs> 
Where are the Sharps going on the Indianapolis Colts win total of 6.5? I think RJ is going to like this one a lot better. The Colts season win 6.5 over was minus 130 two weeks ago. It is up to minus 180. Andrew Luck supposed to play the first quarter of the first preseason game. That means the betters are confident that he's close to 100%, and they're backing him with both fists. I love this, right? I mean, there was real uncertainty, and we talked about it at length on our dream preview. So every week, and you can go to my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas or pregame.com, get our podcast. It's free every week. Actually, during football, we do two a week, one college, one pro, deep, deep dive. We didn't know Andrew Luck's health. To me, the only way that over-under made sense for the Colts. So once again, let's say a month ago, what was the over-under season wins, regular season for the Colts? It was six and a half, but you didn't have to pay all this extra Yeah, yeah, I got that part. The total was six and a half. So seven and nine was, whoo, exceeded expectations. Let me ask this question again, because I asked it then with the caveat of maybe he's not healthy. Now that we really think he's healthy, Andrew Luck, when has a quarterback as good as Andrew Luck, and let me say fifth best quarterback if he's healthy, does anyone really disagree? No? Okay. When has the fifth best quarterback in the NFL in the last five years when passing has increased in importance been worse than seven and nine? Never. I mean, can we even think of one instance that a top five quarterback put in a year? Now, he could get hurt, so there's always these small chances. There's no short things. But, my gosh, we are saying for the Colts to go under the win total, it has to be the first time in a half a decade a quarterback this good doesn't win seven games in a season. That means either Andrew Luck isn't healthy or... This Colts team is historically bad other than Andrew Luck. I don't think either are the case. I think the over money is correct. Over Colts has the RJ stamp of approval. One last thing on the Colts. Do you factor in the backup at all in terms of confidence that, hey, Luck could go down, but Jacoby Brissett is a good player? I saw that the GM said today uh, we would not accept a first-round pick to trade Jacoby Brissett. He's that confident in him, or that confident in him. Maybe it's just words. Who knows? You th- maybe just words. <laughs> well, I don't. He, maybe they were offered a first round pick. I don't know. Yeah, but I that, doubt that, it. But if anything, when I hear that, it means he wants to trade him, right? It sounds like he's trying to gin up the trade market for him. So I think, though, Cofield in the square chair, you know, we have new listeners all the time. Cofield, though, he was a, uh, you weren't a bookie, right? You were a ticket writer. You did some other good things behind the counter. You learned a lot about sports batters behind the counter. But not a wise guy. Agreed? Correct. Square chair. Correct. Square chair made a heck of a point. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about where Hoyer is. I mean, where's Brissett right now? If we were drafting quarterbacks, top 25? 27. <laughs> Very important distinction, Pat. Very important distinction. But it's a great point by Cofield that if, if for some reason luck goes down, we're not drawn dead here. Like we got a brain surgeon. <laughs> you gotta come on, play that again. We stepped on it. He felt like f-ing brain surgeon. Not ho oh, oh, ho, not twenty five, twenty seven, Mister. <laughs> The uh, coaches poll is out in college football. Brad Powers has found overrated and underrated teams. That's on the way straight out of Vegas. 
Fox Sports Radio. Back here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. We are pregame.com, the official odds provider for the Associated Press. I respect the heck out of the AP. But listen, when they do their polls, when the coaches or the SIDs really do their polls, right, Brad? It's usually not the coaches. Yep. It's a popularity poll. And, but it's an opportunity. Why? Because a lot of people take, hey, look, the AP says this. Hey, look, the coaches say that. Well, when Vegas disagrees with the popularity polls, there's an opportunity because those popularity polls drive some bets from the recreational batters. Brad, you've got three teams with the poll that came out. Uh, which poll came out? Coach's poll just came out two days ago. And there's three teams that there's a big, big difference. Now, you do our Vegas rankings for college football. So you've got the Vegas rankings versus the popularity poll. Three big um, disagreements. Number one. Number one, underrated. Let's go with Michigan, believe it or not. I disagree. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, let's (laughs) talk why Michigan's underrated. First off, coaches poll. Michigan came in at number 14. In my rankings, which represents, for the most part, Vegas, the Vegas rankings, I have Michigan as a top 10 team, number nine in the ratings. And let's just define it. That Michigan opens up the season against a team ranked higher than them, Notre Dame, number 11 in the current coaches poll. Despite the fact Michigan's on the road, they're a two-point favorite. So Vegas right so there th- telling so, you hold Michigan, on. much better team. Think about that. Home field advantage, especially for a team like Notre Dame. Four it, points. Four points. Michigan's a two-point favorite. So broad strokes on a neutral field, Michigan would be favored by six. Yep. And they're below them in the popularity <laughs> poll. Michigan 14, Notre Dame 11. Now people might be saying, but RJ, I thought you said, well, who's to say what this line would be if Michigan was ahead of them in the popularity poll? They might be favored by four. So doesn't listen, Vegas is always going to take the Vegas opinion first. But things like the coach's poll can swing bets, which makes it where uh, there could be value, and I think often will be value when there's a disagreement, the value on that Vegas team. Number two team, there's a big disagreement with. Yeah, and here's the most overrated team. It's actually West Virginia, and you talk popularity. Well, West Virginia is very popular this season, and they're ranked number 20 in the coaches' poll. Not even in my top 30 of the power ratings. They're popular because West Virginia has arguably the best passing quarterback in the country in Will Greer and the best set of wide receivers in the country. Every other position, though, objectively looking at it, they don't rank in the top 35, but because it's a popularity contest, West Virginia, in my opinion, very overrated. Okay, third team, and by the way, this third team happens to be a team you have a best bet on. Overrated Virginia Tech, number 17 in the coaches' poll. Week one against the number 19 team, Florida State. Virginia Tech's a six-point underdog right there. That right there tells you that Virginia Tech... Okay, so Tech's- I'm listening I'm confused. So give me... The, who is ranked higher in the coaches' poll? Or Virgin- okay. Virginia Tech's ranked higher in the coaches' poll. All right, and Virginia Tech plays whom? They play Florida State on the road. All right, so it's at Florida State. Yep. And Virginia Tech's supposed to be better. Yep. 
Okay, so let's say just a little bit better. Florida State would be four if they were the same. So Florida State should be favored maybe by three or so. Florida State's favored by six. Ooh, so. so but here's the underlying factor that may, the SID who filled out this poll doesn't understand. Just in the last <laughs> month, Virginia Tech's <laughs> lost three projected starters in the secondary and already inexperienced secondary and defense on the whole. Maybe they weren't reading the press clippings of last month. No team has suffered as much attrition this summer than Virginia Tech. For that reason, this line, in my, I, what I think, is going to close at 7, not 6. Take advantage of it now. Go to work. Take Florida State, Labor Day night, minus 6 over the Hokies. Okay, so with all the other numbers, you're throwing a projected line into it, but... With the current line, it's minus six, but you're saying bet it early. Bet it early. But this he, line will move. Here's the thing you just can't not see. When Vegas disagrees with the polls, the popularity polls, Vegas, I mean, think about it. Florida State is worse in theory, and they're laying six? Yep. They're not worse, <laughs> no. even with home field. And if you want to think, oh, the popularity polls no, no more than Take off the rubber band. Speaking of that, a second best bet from Steve Fezzik. Preseason, I got three key reasons for liking this. Baltimore, laying two, hosting the Rams Thursday night. Number one reason, key scheduling edge, Baltimore, home. Uh, they got their game one under their belts. Now they got seven days to prepare. Huge edge. Second key edge for so Baltimore. So Baltimore played in the Hall of Fame game. Now they're playing their second game. And full rest. Correct. Harbaugh is a coach that likes to win in preseason. RJ, 29 and 12 straight up, 27 and 14 against the spread. The coach wants to win every this one of these Harbaugh games. This is Harbaugh in his career in the preseason. Yes. Wow. So we got an edge, second game, full rest, motivated coach. What's the line? Line is minus two, Baltimore, lay the two. Baltimore favored by two. Best bet from Fez. That was a jam packed two hours there, Cofield. Yes. But we still have one more set of odds. Breaking news on this one. That $10 million winner-take-all match, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, booked Thanksgiving weekend, actually here in Las Vegas at the fabulous Shadow Creek. You want the numbers? I do. Should I just let the show end and not give them? No, of course I'm going to give them. <laughs> Tiger Woods is minus 140. He's the favorite. You can get Phil Mickelson on the way back at plus 120. Boy, my gut feeling is I want Phil. I mean, Phil's a, a famous gam. I mean, he's famous <laughs> for gambling. You would figure the amount of money at stake, he has that edge. Jonas Knox is on the way. We'll see you next Friday, 11 o'clock Pacific, straight out of Vegas, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.